0: Well, we're beginning a series of messages uh, called, Oh, Holy Night, because I'm a very creative person. <laughs> oh, no, Holy Night. Yeah, we're going to look at different aspects of the birth of Christ from now to Christmas Day, and it's going to be a wonderful journey, I hope, for you. Um, for me personally, I've been preaching a lot of Christmas messages um, over the years, and uh, if you add it all up just at this church, uh, over 85 Christmas messages, not counting special ones, you know, so 85 Christmas messages. Um, so that's a lot of Christmas stuff. But every year, my concern and my prayer is the same. Every year, my concern is that we get together and we go through the motions and we celebrate certain aspects of Christmas, but it, it never gets any deeper than the emotion of the season or the tradition that we pursue. I hear this in different ways from folks just like you, many of us who've gathered here. It's not Christmas until… Dot, dot, dot. I can't celebrate Christmas unless dot 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 and those dot dot dots are not um, Jesus is the reason for the season it has something to do with traditions that we've enjoyed uh, or things that we have uh, uh, grown up with for me Christmas the season uh, started early on I'm, I'm a preacher's kid so my daddy has preached a lot more Christmas sermons than I have But in our house, Christmas would begin when we started uh, going out and cutting. We lived in uh, either Tennessee, Kentucky, or Texas. And we would go out and we would cut different types of greenery, bring them inside. And my mom would start organizing greenery and making it pretty, I guess. It didn't look pretty to me, but she thought it was pretty. She's not listening to this message. She does that at 9 o'clock, so I can say whatever I want to Christmas begins with, began as a kid with those things. And another thing she would do, um, and it was mom who did this. Mom, uh, uh, for those of you who are of a certain generation, you'll remember that there were these big black circular things. And if you put them in a contraption and you put a needle on top of those things, it would play music. It was wonderful. In fact, I believe it was the best way for, uh, and remains the best way to listen to good music. Those are called records. Well, anyway, Mom had these records that had uh, uh, special Christmas music. And it wasn't, uh, it, it didn't have any lyrics to it. It would be like uh, bells and harps and. And violins and all this kind of just just this stuff. And so you would walk into the house, come home from school, walk into the house, and this music immediately struck in our heart. It's Christmas time. Uh, Another thing my mom would do: she would uh, uh, she would take some something uh, like cinnamon or something. I don't know what it was. She would uh, she would boil it on the stove so that it would then begin to waft through the house. This was before you know essential oils and. And it would walk through the house, (laughs) essential oils. I won't just do this side, I'll do that. It uh, it would walk through the house and and so you would walk up, so you have the sounds and then you would have that scent. But even more importantly, I knew that Christmas was happening when my mom would make sausage pinwheels or this wonderful thing where she would roll up peanut butter in a ball and dip it in chocolate. Oh, (laughs) come on. That's some good stuff right there. That's Christmas, right? And then we would have church stuff as well. But, uh, you know, the reality is we all have those different things in our history remind us of Christmas. Maybe it's a song that we sing. Maybe it's the people we're with. uh, Maybe it's the places we go. But it reminds us of Christmas. My concern, and then my prayer. My prayer is that throughout all of those things that we treasure about Christmas, that Jesus would capture our hearts and remind us or show us for the very first time that Christmas isn't just a season, a holiday of good feelings, good tidings, great cheer. Not just a season of lights and sounds and smells. But Christmas is the celebration over which, from the very beginning of time, creation and the universe long to happen. It's a celebration of the birth of Jesus, God become flesh and dwelt among us. And how He changes our lives. Uh, So, um, we sing this song, O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining, it is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Uh, Long lay the world in sin and error pining till He appears and the soul felt its worth. Great lyrics, love those lyrics. Um, But I want us to get behind the lyrics and see the Scripture, the meaning, God's message to us through His Word, by His Spirit, to us. And uh, So, I, wanna, I want us to begin, and not uh, where we normally begin, look, uh, Luke chapter 2, right? We're not going to start there. Luke chapter 2, um, in, the, in, in the year that Quirinius was still governor over blah, blah, and, and you know, all that stuff, and, and uh, Mary went with her betrothed Joseph to the city of David, Bethlehem, to be counted in a census, and and then she gave birth to Jesus uh, and then it goes on and and uh, on that same evening while uh, uh, the shepherds were keeping watch over their flock by night an angel appeared and and uh, said don't be afraid I bring you good tidings of great joy which will be for all people for unto you is born this day in the city of David the Savior which is Christ the Lord and this will be a sign unto you you'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger and suddenly the sky was filled with a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and peace on earth goodwill toward men and, and that, that's the Christmas story and I love that it, by the way the reason I memorized that is because I saw Linus do it first Again, I know that's generationally leaving a whole lot of you out, but it really connected to a group. Uh, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas, you want to watch it. Again, that could be a tradition, watching Charlie Brown Christmas. Anyway, that's the Christmas story, and and angels filling the sky and celebrating, and and, uh, wise men coming, all of that is Christmas, and it's wonderful, but sometimes we forget creation's response to Christmas. Did you know that creation celebrates Christmas? Now, we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 35. And Isaiah 35 is uh, where God speaks through the prophet Isaiah to his people. In chapter 34, he says, sin has devastated you. And then in chapter 35, he says, but the Messiah will come and rescue you. Okay, So you have those two, those two uh, pictures, and, and in Isaiah 34, creation found itself groaning, and in chapter 35, creation found itself rejoicing. And the difference was the coming of Jesus. I want you to look in verses 1 and 2, Isaiah 35, verses 1 and 2. Just just listen, and this is all a picture of the coming of Jesus the Messiah. Okay, So what happens when Jesus the Messiah is born, 35.1? The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly. And rejoice, even with joy and singing, the glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The excellence of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. Now, what what I want us to see today is I don't want us to race to our personal feelings about Christmas or traditions. Let's look behind that. And let's look first and foremost at how creation celebrates the birth of our Savior. First, Jesus is born and creation celebrates the birth, our Savior's birth, our Savior's birth. Did you know creation celebrates the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago? Why? Why? Why does creation celebrate? Well, first and foremost, because Jesus is the creator. I don't know if you all have ever made anything. I, I make stuff, I, I, not, not big stuff, small stuff. I make little uh, flies, you know, for fly fishing. But there are many flies that I never use for fly fishing because they mean a lot to me. There are certain flies that I'll tie that don't mean a lot. If you've ever gone to children's camp with us, I started this past year tying flies on a pin that the children can use and they can take that fly on a pin and pin it to their hat or to their shirt or whatever. And and I make those things and those are special things for me. I delight in those things that I've made. I have a connection with those things. Now there are some I, 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 there are some who are craftsmen and women, and you make special things, and those special things, you have an, a, a, a connection to those things that you've made. Uh, maybe um, imagine yourself to be a Rembrandt, and you paint something. That painting means a lot to you it is it is historic in significance the kind of of labor that Michelangelo went through and and how he took ownership for uh, the things that he made or that he painted, uh, standing up against uh, rulers and and popes and everything else so he could do what he uh, what what he wanted to do or what he felt like he should do in making something there 's an intimate link between a creator and the created and The same thing's true about Jesus. Jesus is the creator and there's an intimate connection between Jesus and creation. And and when we say creation, immediately we think, well, I'm a creation. And that's true and, and, and we'll get there, but not yet. Jesus has an intimate connection with the rocks that he makes and the dirt that he's created. You think you like the Grand Canyon? Jesus made it as a masterpiece. The Smoky Mountains are filled with significance and appreciation by me, but I don't even hold a candle to the way Jesus is connected to the Smoky Mountains. Sunsets, Jesus loves them. Sunrises, Jesus delights in them. Why? Because he made them. In John chapter 1 verse 1, the scripture says that in the beginning, pointing us back to Genesis 1 1, where in the beginning was God, and God was with, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And John 1 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, who is Jesus, and the, and, 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 and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it goes on in verses 2 and 3 and telling us that, that through Jesus, everything that is made was made by him. And there's nothing that was made that he didn't do it. In Colossians chapter 1, it tells us that Jesus is the creator of the universe and the sustainer of the universe. Everything, the trees and the fish and the birds, everything was created by Jesus. And creation finds its goodness in its creator. In Genesis 1, remember the story? God uh, said, uh, let there be light. And there was light. And let there be darkness. There was darkness, night and day, uh, sky and land, uh, seas and firmament, firmament and, and four footed beasts, and, and bees, and birds, and fish. And, and he said, let there be these things. He created these things. And then he said, it is good. And Jesus, creator, has an intimate connection with creation. And Jesus is the creator, and because he's the creator, the created, long connection with him. And Jesus created all things, but then Genesis 3 happens. Y'all remember Genesis 3? Now, guys, this is a deeply doctrinal message. So I'm going to be throwing out some verses and I know I tend to get fast-paced when I do verses. So listen aggressively. In Genesis 3, Adam and Eve chose sin rather than obedience to God. And in that moment, all creation, humanity and non-humanity, experienced the curse of sin. Do you realize that Creation itself, and I'm not talking about human beings, I'm talking about rocks and trees and birds and sea. Uh, creation itself is under sin's curse. We see this in Genesis 3 17, 18, and 19, where God said, Hey, listen, because of sin, the ground is cursed. Uh, there is a curse upon creation. Where creation once experienced itself as paradise, now it is cursed. We see it in 35.1. You are a wasteland. You are a desert. You are a wilderness. A barren place that bears no fruit. That's what creation experiences because of sin's curse. In Romans chapter 8, verses 19-22, through 22, and I'm going to read this one. And you can turn there or, or write it in the margin if you want. Romans 8, 19-22. Paul writes, for the earnest expectation or the longing hope of the creation. And again, he's talking about birds and bees and trees and sea. The earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For creation was subjected to futility. It's talking about Genesis 3, 17 through 19. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage. So he's looking for deliverance from the bondage uh, into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Now verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together even until now. Now, What was Paul saying? Paul is saying that because of sin's curse, creation is captured in a symphony of sighs Over the painful condition that sin's curse has wrought. Now, you need to understand, and and I want you to hear this biblically and theologically the reason we have tornadoes is because of sin's curse. The reason the ground opens up and swallows homes is because of sin's curse. Because volcanoes explode, the reason for volcanoes exploding now is sin's curse. Now, you can say, well, science this and science that. I'm not debating science. I'm saying that the root cause behind the science is sin's curse. A couple of years ago, maybe 10 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, I don't know, had two movies came out. One was, uh, both of them depicted an asteroid hitting The earth and and how everything is going to be destroyed because of that. Sin's curse. Look, I, I, I want you to understand creation knows this. That sin's curse has devastated, created chaos and carnage in creation. So that creation is captured in a symphony of sighs groaning for release from sin's curse and since the beginning of time since that 3 uh, Genesis 3:17 through 19 curse of sin was planted upon creation from that moment creation has been longing and looking for the birth of Jesus and so 2000 years ago when God orchestrated stars brightly shining and and moved Mary and Joseph to a little town in Bethlehem where Jesus was born. Creation understood the significance and began to shout and sing and rejoice. The Messiah has come. Creation celebrates our dear Savior's birth because creation celebrates the dawn of a glorious morn that Jesus brings. By the way, the little quotes there in, that, in both of those points, that, that's lyrics from O Holy Night. In case you didn't know, I just wanted to make that clear. Because, you know, it's unimportant, but it's important to me. Uh, so, here, here the, the dawning of a... Glorious new morn. What is this glorious new morn? It's where creation is celebrating the coming of Jesus, God become flesh, the celebration of the birth of Jesus who would take what sin has made wrong and set everything right. This is the message of 35, 1 and 2, where there once was groaning. Groaning. Now there's only gladness. Where there once was barrenness, now there's blossoming with great beauty. When, when God says, I'm going to make you like Lebanon and Carmel and Sharon, Sharon, he's talking about paradise again. He's saying, What was once a wasteland becomes paradise. Sin's curse will be crushed by this Jesus who is born, and creation got it. And they celebrate. Creation celebrates the birth of her creator, who would then take what sin had cursed and crush it. So guys, when we come to Christmas, we need to understand that we're joining in a symphony not of size but of celebration with creation itself. And I know that sounds cool, doesn't it? I, I, I just got to tell you, that is cool. And if you want any of my footnotes on this, I think there are about 35 footnotes on this one sermon. So if you want that, just email me and I'll send it to you. But, but it, it, deep theology, great stuff. But you know, theology just in the area of footnotes and books is irrelevant. If it doesn't apply to my, my right now, or my being, or what I'm supposed to be, then then that, that's just... That's just book learning. But creation celebrating does have something to say to us. In fact, we read about it in Isaiah 35, 3 through 10. What happens for creation with the coming of the Messiah can happen for you and for me. What God promises... In the dawning of a new and glorious morn, a day of transformation for creation for what once was desert is now blossoming and blooming like a rose with great beauty. Everything changes because Jesus has come. In fact, can I tell you from Genesis and all through the Pentateuch and, and, and through the sacrificial system of Leviticus and the laws of, uh, of, of Deuteronomy and, and, and as you go on into uh, look at 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 the historical books of the Old Testament talking about kings and looking forward to the perfect king and and you listen to uh, the Psalms that that declares the glory of the Messiah that is to come and even Proverbs forecasting out this wonderful coming of the one who would set things right. You move on into the Song of Songs and see Jesus there and you move even into the prophets who proclaimed from Isaiah to Jeremiah to Ezekiel and on and on and on and, and And they look to Jesus, the birth of God. God become flesh and dwelt among us. The birth of Jesus in the Old Testament changes everything. And in our reality today, as creation celebrates that not yet fully realized transformation, you and I, we can experience in our lives today what creation celebrates. Now, um, just, just, just look, just, just look, verses 3 and following. Um, so, because of creation celebrating, verses 1 and 2, they're celebrating a transformation. Verse 3, so because of that, here's what we must do, human beings. Strengthen the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fear-hearted, be strong and do not Fear. Behold, your God will come with recompense, with recompense of God. He will come and he will deliver you. He's talking about you and me, human beings. Verse 5, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped, the lame shall leap like a deer, the tongue of the dumb shall sing, water shall burst forth in the wilderness, streams in the desert, the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water. In the inhabitation of jackals where each lay, there shall be grass with reeds and rushes. Verse 8, a highway shall be there, and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. But it shall be for others. Uh, Could be my life verse, right? This next phrase. Whoever walks this road, the highway of holiness, this road of holiness. Whoever walks this road, although he is a fool, shall not go astray. Good gracious, what a promise. goes on. No lion shall be there. Any ravenous beast shall go upon it. It shall, be found, uh, it shall not be found there. But the redeemed, those who have been rescued by God's grace through faith in Jesus, the redeemed shall walk that path. The ransomed of the Lord shall return and come uh, to Zion singing with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Sin brings barrenness. And and creation languishing under the curse of sin looked in anticipation of the one who would reverse that curse. And Jesus has come and he's taken a desert, a wilderness, a wasteland, and he's made it paradise. And the application for you and for me is this, that the holy night of Jesus' birth offers us a holy pathway into God's presence. You see, the last part of verse 2, they shall see the excellency and the majesty of God. Do you realize that that's the point? The point is not I was uh, was in despair and now the circumstances that caused my despair are no longer. For creation, creation the point was, verse 2, we shall see God. And the point is true for us as well. You see, Jesus who is God, John 1, 1. Jesus is God, and in the beginning he was with God, and he, he was God, and he made all things, and in him was life, and that life was the light of man. And the light shines in the darkness, darkness cannot comprehend it or, or, or overwhelm it. So Jesus is God, John 1.14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus came. He was born in Bethlehem so that we might see God. It goes on in John one eighteen. It says, no one has seen God at any other time, but Jesus, the Son of God, he has revealed him. You want to see God, you got to see Jesus. Jesus is God. Jesus is creator. Jesus is God. And Jesus became flesh and bone so that he might live his life perfectly, die On a cross for sinners like you and me. And in that moment that He died for sinners like you and me, He gave a promise to crush sin's curse. And He was raised from the dead. And in that resurrection, He gives a promise for us of a new life beyond our brokenness. The promise that He made to creation becomes ours today as followers of Jesus. So in in, in verse 1, we see creation rejoices. In in verses 5 and 3, 4 and 5 and 6, we see that those who have been broken, those who are fearful, those who are weak, and those who are impaired, he says, says, be strong, you'll be made whole. And so they rejoice. And in verses 9 and 10, uh, we see that it's the redeemed. And the ransomed who rejoice. Who are the redeemed and the ransomed? The redeemed, that's the picture of those who have been purchased off the chopping block of sin's guilt. The ransom, that's the price Jesus paid to purchase us off the chopping block. When we come to Christmas, we need to understand it points us directly to the cross and to the resurrection. Because that's how the reversal takes place for you and for me. Today, my prayer for us is that we would join creation rejoicing. That we who have been broken by sin and made whole by God's grace through faith in Jesus, we might join creation Rejoicing that we who have been redeemed and ransomed by Jesus Christ, the one who was born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, who was fully God, who became flesh and bone, who died for our sin upon a cross and was raised from the dead to give us new life, that we would rejoice with creation. Guys, and just a quick little ditty here. There is no other way to find joy. Apart from Jesus. Because only Jesus can take care of sin's curse by crushing it. You want to talk about what's what, what this season holds for us, what this season celebrates? Just as creation under sin's curse was in a symphony of size, barren and a wasteland. We too because of sin's curse, separated from God and a wasteland of our soul. But just as the birth of Jesus inaugurates a new and glorious morn, a reversal of that curse, where the wasteland becomes a paradise, no more groaning, but now only gladness for creation. Because Jesus makes that which is broken whole. In the same way, Jesus looks to you and to me today and says, you're broken by sin, you're judged guilty under sin's curse, but you can be forgiven today through faith in Jesus Christ. You can be made whole. What was a wasteland can become a paradise. That's what we celebrate today. That's where joy resides.